Glory be to God. Here we go once again, Dominion Sonship Life. Thank you for joining us today. And I believe, I believe we can receive answers today. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to navigate us into greater light, into greater understanding, into greater unveiling of divine reality, really an understanding of what it means to be saved of what it means to trust God, of what that really looks like. And that is liberty. And so the message title that I, I have for today is Rest for Your Soul. Rest for Your Soul. And um, last week we started with Now Rest Is and spent quite a bit of time in Hebrews chapter 4 that there is a promise remaining of entering his rest. And because the promise remains, let us appropriate that promise. Let us enter into that which is really ours in Christ. Let, let us step in boldly. Let us not be timid to enter in. And really what timidity looks like to God, it's not humility. Timidity looks like being held back. Timidity looks like a shrinking back. Timidity looks like a hesitation to enter into a finished, completed work. Timidity is not of God. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And so today we're really wanting to appropriate the mind of Christ, the soundness of understanding, to understand what it means to have rest for my soul. And that rest for my soul is really coming to Jesus. A rest to my soul is coming to Jesus. So let's go back to where we started last week in Hebrews chapter 4. And then we'll maybe go to Hebrews 11 and we have some verses in Mark. And let's see how the Holy Spirit goes. Therefore, verse 1, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear. You see, it's corporate. We're the body of Christ. Let us fear because this rest is for all of us. Let us fear lest any of you, any of you, and it, we, we don't need to identify with any of you in this one. It'd be minus me here. Minus you and I here. Lest any of you seem to have come short of it, will not shrink back. God is not pleased of those that shrink back into perdition. But we have those that press on and enter and appropriate the promised land of his, of his promise of rest that remains. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. And we had looked at that word, did not profit them, the word profit, and we matched it up with the same word being used in John 6, 63, that the flesh profits us for nothing, but the spirit gives life. The words of Jesus, there are life. And so... The word which they heard, the Israelites of all, did not profit them, was of no benefit to them. It brought no value to them, not being mixed with faith, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Last week we looked at the word prophet. This week I want to look at mixed with faith, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. And so we the hearers of the message of life. We, the hearers, 
have a responsibility with the hearers, recognize that um, rest at the end of the day, according to what we just read, and we can look at verse chapter, uh, sorry, chapter three and the, the rest of chapter four here and a lot of other examples that it really is dependent on us. The way God's concerned, he is already in rest. And he has given us Jesus, the Sabbath day rest, that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord Jesus Christ is. And so now in him, in Christ, we are in rest. But we can choose to dislodge from this position of abiding in that above place of dominion and get lodged in a law reality of striving, of trying to figure life out of trying to have an understanding on what I was supposed to do next, like you, like you ever knew what you were supposed to do next. Like, let's put you back in your mommy's womb for just a split second. Like you really knew when exactly you were going to come out of your mama's womb. Like you really knew that. Like you really knew when you're, I'm talking about your natural man, what your name was going to be given by your mommy. Like you really knew what you were going to do at the age of three. Like you really knew when you're three years old, where you're going to go to school. Like you really, like you really planned that out. So here we are, a little older than three years old, and we're still trying to figure something out. We're still trying to figure out what's two plus two. It's four, buddy. You know what it looks like? Trust God. It would always look like trust God. It will always look like, trust God. It will never be a carnal understanding because you have to, from that which you hear, receiving and allow faith to work it out. <laughs> you are required to trust. Newsflash, trust. And so, and so we see here that the hearing of faith is a big, a big participant to this message of rest. The hearing of faith, that of how we hear. Do you know that if we just take it on a natural level, that when I'm in a relationship with a friend and I have a conversation, the, the cleaner slate I have of no past history of striving with another. Of, of really having forgiven all from my past and knowing I'm forgiven, that this, this forgiveness revelation brings a joy in me. When I function in this moment of joy in a relationship, do you know I can actually hear exactly what they're saying to me? Because I do not, I won't think they're pulling my leg, they're, they're, they're after something, they're going to finagle me in some sort of a way, they will betray me in a year. I, uh, and so I, I put these guards up. No, no. And that's how it is with God. And so then at that moment in my natural relationship, that relationship, that friendship will really not profit me. <laughs> because I've already in my mind decided it will be a profit to me. Do you know why? Because I have an internal, an internal message that, that, that I, that I believe that is overriding everything that I hear from my friend, for those around about me. Take a marriage, for example. Your spouse. How often I think of my husband, I'm like, you said this. No, I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to record it next time. I'm sure if I do record him, he wouldn't have said it. But I believe he said it. Internal conversations. 
And I believe the Lord wants to silence it by us trusting him. By us trusting that if he is for me, who can be against me? By us trusting that his plan is being unveiled. That by us trusting that, that, that he has called me into conformity with sonship. That, that I have to trust him now that his love is sufficient for me. I have to trust him that he has indeed forgiven me. And so, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it, it brought forth an invalidation to this message of rest. So the strong concordance reads that verse, and without faith, actually I'm looking at Hebrews 11, my other verse, sorry. Hebrews 4.2, for we also received the good news just as they did, but the message that they heard was of no value. You know, we can read this verse every single day and glean and glean and glean and keep gleaning and keep gleaning and then realize how they decided the message was of no value to them. They decided that that which they heard coming from God was of no value to them. They decided by that which they believe internally that that which God spoke to them through a vessel because it was a preached message through Moses through Joshua, through Isaiah, through Amos. They had no value. Because in their minds, the, the idols they, they built on the high places had more value to them. The me worshiping the star and the sun has more value than me bowing the knee to submission to the word of the living God. And so whatever we exalt above the knowledge of Christ will have more value. And that which we place value that is not the word of God is invalidating divine reality. It's invalidating the very word of God that brought forth creation. That wants to bring forth creation in your life. That wants to bring forth a beautiful demonstration of love divine in your heart. The message that they heard, they heard it, they were accountable. We are accountable for that which we hear from God. Was of no value to them since they did not share the fate of those who comprehended it. Um, that word of those who comprehended it is actually to hear, to listen, comprehended by the hearing. And so some heard and understood, and these ones did not, since they did not share. That word is the Greek 4786, and it, it is to mix with. So it's to mix with, to unite. And I want to look at an expansion of that definition. So they didn't share the faith the Strong's speaks of. And in my new King James says that not being mixed with faith. And that is... Mix into a new and improved compound properly to mix together into a superior compound, a holistic blend. So, so, so the message preached is to find the little buddy, the mates. We're now read from Isaiah about 
the, the, the word having its own mate. That within the mouth of two or three witnesses, his word is being established. And so in this moment, is, is my heart, my heart is the ultimate mate to the word of God. My pure heart is the ultimate mate to the word of God because faith is of the heart. So that, that mixing into a new compound, mixing together into a superior compound, a holistic blend, united whole. The word and my heart are one united whole. Where the parts work together synergistically. They work together in tandem. They work together in tandem. And so the word is made to fit perfectly in my heart. And so that which I believe in my heart, actually another definition of this word to mix together is to agree with. So they didn't share the fate of those who comprehended it the strongs mine said that they didn't that the word that they heard was of no value it didn't profit not being mixed with faith not in agreement not in agreement having a but yeah but you know you know I, I i trod it before yeah but yes i walked by faith until now but these are really difficult times so now we gotta switch gears somehow i i still would walk by faith but now i gotta fix some issues i gotta do some things i gotta i gotta i gotta bow the knee on some idols that i've exalted on my high little hill I'm going to feed the doubt and unbelief because after all, I really can't fully entrust myself to the one I do not see. And you know, unfortunately, we never really say it that way. Unfortunately, we never think that I'm not trusting God. And often it comes when you hear it from the brethren. Well, you know, uh, you got to use wisdom. Uh, excuse me? Use wisdom? Use wisdom. His word is wisdom. Christ is me is wisdom. Wisdom is using me to demonstrate himself to the world. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Not, your heart not coming together with that word. Your heart not being in agreement with that word. Do you know why? Because you already have an agreement with another little mate. Called doubt and unbelief. Which is deceit. Deceitfulness of riches. The lust for other things, the desires for other things. We read some of them from, from Mark, the four grounds. So, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Think about it. We are hearing the same message. And some, because of a heart that is persuaded by the love of God, would actually receive that word and will profit them. And others that have more bitterness in their heart would reject the word of truth. And it will bear no fruit in their life. And it will be no value. And that's why the Bible tells us we should judge them by their fruit. It would tell me. It would tell me what kind of a hearers they were. And nowadays, it doesn't take too, too long. It doesn't take too, too long. Harvest is right there. Let's go to Hebrews 11 from here. 
we're talking about rest for your souls. We looked at, if you go to Hebrews 11.6, last week I read in 1 Peter 1.9, I'll read that, but you just go to Hebrews 11.6. 1 Peter 1, 9 read, receiving the end of your faith, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So the end working of faith is the saving of my soul. Can I say it's the, the restfulness of my soul. It's me trusting God completely. It is not being divided in my soul. It's not oscillating between two opinions. It's having made a decision that his word is a life and truth to me. And uh, it, it, it is, it is, his word is who I'm born of. And his word is the, is what I'm really being transformed to as well. And without the hearing of the message, And mixing that message with faith will not come to what? The salvation of our souls. So this is really important. Without me believing the word of God as it's coming, as it's coming to me, whether in my prayer chair, whether on, on the, you know, Sunday morning church pew, as that word is being preached to me, as I'm hearing his voice within me. Affirming that which I'm hearing with my outer ear. I, I, I am working out my salvation with fear and trembling. Lest there be found this, this, this doubt, this deceit in my heart. Lest they fall short. Lest they fall short of entering into that rest. So the end of my faith is this Sabbath day rest. Faith is given. Faith of the Son of God. We saw him demonstrated. We saw Jesus demonstrate by the feeding of the multitudes by the traveling uh, on, 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 on water in a stormy sea, walking on the water by, by stepping into the boat and the boat was found on the other side by, by uh, discerning the murmuring in their hearts and addressing it that Jesus was and is the very rest of God, totally unmoved, totally undisturbed. Fully persuaded that that which he has heard the father say, the message preached to him on that high mountain when he went and prayed. He received it with a pure heart, trusting his heavenly father, knowing it will come to pass. And it came to pass. So that when he said, let's let's cross over to the other side, to his disciples across the Sea of Galilee. He knew. Provision was there to cross to the other side. Now the devil heard the word. What's the devil's number one operandus? Operandi, mode of operation. Steal the word. Every storm in your life is to steal the word of God out of you. That's why in Hebrews 11, uh, no, in Hebrews, where was it? Well, in 10, uh, he talks about not drawing back. Um, in verse 10, 36 says about we have need of endurance. 
after we've done the will of God to receive the promise. But also I looked in, in Hebrews, I believe, chapter 3 last week, that we're to hold fast the confidence of and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Firm to the end. Because at the end is this, this place of rest. The rest, the salvation of my soul. And so, perfect context for Hebrews 11.6 now. 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. All right, let's, let's just, let's just, just mute, mute, mute how the rest of this verse goes. And let's go back to, but without faith. And this is right after the story of Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. He did not see death. He did not see death. And can we say when we're in faith, we also are not to see death. Why? Because we walk with God and are no more in the flesh. Because we walk with God and no more in the flesh. We see no death. We've already passed from death to life. Did not see death and was not found. <laughs> death is not found. <laughs> How beautiful. Because we want Jesus to be found in us. Because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. This testimony that he pleased God. So there is a walk that we are to walk with God. We are to see no death. And that is pleasing to God. We are to see no dead end. And that is pleasing to God. We are to see no impossibility. And that's pleasing to God. We will see. We will only see an endless life. And that is pleasing to God. So that which you see. Through the eyes of faith. It's pleasing to God. But you see, we are trained in this world to negate the eyes of faith, but to trust our outer senses. And we're living an hour of great deadliness, so to say. Snares everywhere. To take our spiritual sight off of the reality of God in me, the hope of glory. So that all the will see is death. So all they will see is an end to my life. If I don't do this, there is an end. If I don't bow the knee here, there is an end. Coming short in the system all the time. Yes, it's intended to do that. It's a storm. But you have the words of Jesus come unto me. And so today, we encourage one another. That all in, are we not coming to him? We are in him. We are in him. And as Enoch walked and was no more, we too walk and are no more where the system of the world has no hold on us anymore. That I am of God and I am from above and I am in this place of rest because I trust the report of the Lord. Because I trust that which he has spoken to me. And so faith looks like a spiritual sight of seeing no death. 
Faith looks like a living sacrifice, which was really the example right above it. Abel offering a more excellent sacrifice than the carnal brother Cain. Giving all to God. We are a living sacrifice. And through this death of the outer man, through the cross of Christ, I am a brand new creation. I've entered into brand new life. And I too, like Enoch now, can walk this earth as a citizen of heaven, with God, in God, through God. And so the order of 6, verse 6, is coming from this context. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without you reckoning your outer man dead, being a living sacrifice. Without you walking like Enoch, the living dead. Seeing no death, only life. What's my portion? Life. What's your portion? Life. What's your hope? Living hope. What's your desire? Living desire. Christ in me now, the hope of glory. He is the living desire. This was a testimony of Enoch, that he pleased God. He pleased God. You and I in Christ please God. Because we're mixing, we're uniting that message that we are hearing from the Holy Spirit with faith. Our heart wide open to receive and to mix with, with light. His word is light. Without faith it is impossible to please him, which means there's a possibility of displeasing him. What is the opposite of faith? Being led by your carnal senses. What's the opposite of believing God? Doubting God. <laughs> yeah, let's break it down like that. I believe God, but I got to, you know, look after the family, but, you know, I, I got to earn a living, but, you know, I, 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 I have to be a good steward of this temple, but, you know, I like to, I like to, you know, do certain things, but, God, your way, but also my way a little bit too, but. Living sacrifice. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, and this is the word comes I want to look at. For he who comes to God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. So can we say from this verse we actually can get a definition of faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he's saying if there is no faith, and then he explain what he means in this context. If there is no faith, if you don't come to me and you believe me that I am, and I'm a rewarder of your diligent pursuit of me, of your diligent uh, withstanding all, of your diligent holding on and not drawing back. This, this fight of faith looks like a coming to God, believing that he is, 
and that he'll reward your stance for him. And I don't think we, we think, you know, because we, we, we're not, that God's going to reward me taking a stand, me, me not bowing the knee, but he wants us to know that he is a good father, gives only good gifts to his children. And that he watches us. And he knows the hour he has placed us in. He knows the adversities and the storms that have assailed our lives. And what does Jesus say if we acknowledge him here on earth? He will acknowledge us, Jesus, before his heavenly father. If we're not ashamed of his word, Jesus said, he will not be ashamed of us. This is reward. Making my father happy. Because I believe him. And it's worth standing up against deceit. Because I believe God more than the deception that's coming my way. See, that, that pleases God. It's like when you have a, a young child or a young adult of a son or a daughter and, 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 and you're not always with them as a natural parent, of course. Now, Father God always sees all because all before him. But I'm thinking of, you know, having heard good reports through someone else about my children standing on a godly principle. What it does in my own heart. They didn't cave, they didn't bow down the knee. That they were not intimidated by a lie. Because they were more persuaded by the word of truth that was in their heart. That's how you honor God, by honoring his word in your heart. That's how you honor God. By esteeming that which is preached to you. By you having mixed it with faith, now it becomes an anchor. It's solid. It's a firm ground that you're standing on. And at that moment, you will be a doer of the word because it, the word moves you. The word now through you is doing. And so he, if we go back, read the same verse again. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, he who comes to God must believe. So obviously, what pleases God is the one that comes to him and believes him. That he is, that he is God. That he's exactly who he has said he is. And we know one thing God has said, that God is love. That God is merciful. That God is light. And also love as a discipliner right here. We can go into it. Chastens us as well. That he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Let's look at that word come. And then we'll look at some contexts. Context, some other places where that word is used. And it would really bring forth a, a, a rich definition of what faith is. Faith. Faith. So Hebrews 11.6 in the Strong's reads, And without faith it is impossible to please God. That word to please God is to give God pleasure. To gratify entirely. <laughs> when we believe God, we entirely gratify Him. I want to gratify my Father. Just believe Him then. Just believe it. No, you know, you hear it. I want to please God. So I want to do, do this for God. That's not what God said. God said, believe me. Not do something else for me. How about we believe God? This is the work of God is to believe Him. The one that He sent. 
the Lord Jesus Christ. To please God, because anyone who approaches, so mine says anyone who comes, so for he who comes to God must believe. The strong says anyone who approaches him must believe. That must is necessarily, like it's necessary that you believe God, must believe that he exists and he rewards, and that word rewards is a remunerator. (laughs) That's pretty neat. Another word, study for another day. Those who earnestly seek him, earnestly seek him is to seek out after, to... (laughs) Search out, to investigate, to crave, to worship. So let's go back to anyone who comes to God, anyone who approaches. That word is from that word pros. You know, we've heard that word pros before, the face-to-face approach to God. In the beginning, the word was with God and was God. That word is to approach, to draw near, to come up to, to come near, to consent. And another one for that word is to agree with him. He's looking for an agreeable companion. An agreeable companion to God is coming to him and believing him. And um, that word is used, the other is in Hebrews. Let's go to 10 because that gives us another moment. So the one that comes to God in 10.22, just across the page there. This is how we come to him. Let us draw near with a true heart. That word draw near is the word that he's using in 11.6. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. In 10.22, it's, let us draw near with a true heart. You see the emphasis on a true heart? In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we can actually add that little verse in what it looks like to mix it with faith. To mix the word preached, we're mixing it with this true heart that is fully assured of faith that we have been cleansed from an evil conscience by the blood of Christ, meaning no condemnation. The number one way that you hear right from God, that you hear with purity this message preached that will profit you, is by you trusting that you are forgiven, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. That's what faith is, a pure conscience. Faith is coming to God and believing that he is, that he's exactly who he said he is, my high priest. I hope it's coming across as it's so strong in me. It's drawing, drawing the eye into him with a pure conscience. The other one would be in um, Hebrews, actually 12, 18. This is a good one. Hebrews 12, you, 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 it's both in verse 18 and in verse 22, that word come to approach God, to draw near to God. So the one 
what pleases him is faith, and that looks like coming to him and believing him. And we're looking in that word to come to God, to approach God. And we looked at in Hebrews 10, that was a to come with a pure conscience, cleansed by the blood of Christ. In 18, 12, 18, for you have not come, you have not come, you have not drawn nigh to God, you haven't approached God, you haven't come, or sorry, approached the mountain that may be touched that burned with fire into blackness and darkness of temps. Um, and that's really kind of like, uh, he, he's, that's still quite a voice. He's not, he's not, he's not in, in the, in the earthquake. He's not in that storm. He, he, he is not in an external experience of your outer man. Faith is of the unseen. The hidden man of the heart. The one that knows I have a pure conscience before God. So when I hear the message of God, it will profit me. And so what does coming to God look like? It's verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. It's a sight unseen. It's a reality that is heavenly. And so how does one explain faith? It's this assurance of a knowing that I am cleansed by the blood, that I have come now to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an immutable company of angels, to the general assembly of and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God. Eternal reality, a heavenly mindset. My name is registered in heaven. I am a citizen. I am a citizen, which makes me a citizen of heaven. Therefore, therefore, I live by citizenship dominion. I live by citizenship requirements. I live earth as though I'm living in heaven. So there is a a place of being circumspect and not engaging with the affairs of the world. Another, let's look at um, Hebrews 4, in six, verse 16, back to Hebrews 4. <laughs> There's nothing timid about God. Let us therefore, 416, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why are we reading again this? Because we're talking about the rest of soul, the rest of our soul, so that confidence is required. That this word is truth. Confidence is required in me approaching God on the basis of the blood. Because if I'm not confident in that which is spoken to me, which what faith looks like is this boldness to approach him free of condemnation, then, then the message I hear from him, no matter how quiet I can get, it won't profit me. Isn't that amazing? And so often, yeah, I find whenever I go through a bit of a, an internal turbulence of 
demand on my outer man of um, a really that would end up breeding confusion of what to do when. And um, I can sit on my prayer chair for hours and really I'll get a sense of a lead, but the turmoil within me is so big that that word's not going to work for me. <laughs> Because I'm believing a lie. I'm believing the tr- I'm believing the confusion. And so what I do is I silence everything. Hush, be still. And then I sit down or I do dishes because that's pretty much just me sitting in the prayer chair. And his voice is so crisp and clear. And in that moment, a shift has happened within me. And I know. It'll be exactly as he has said, and I've entered into rest. And I won't even pray another time. I'll just, I'll know. I'll know beyond the shadow of a doubt. I won't be between two opinions, whom I'm going to serve, God or the problem. I serve God. And so he says that faith pleases him and the way to come and believe him. And that word come was to approach, to draw near, that's being used right here in Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. He's all about us coming boldly, trusting his word and being confident in that which he speaks to us. In 7.25 is another use of it. Actually, in the book of Hebrews, this word comes been used seven times, seven times, which is pretty amazing. Hebrews 7, what did I say? 25. Yeah. Therefore, he's also able to save. It's about coming to Jesus, our high priest. Therefore, he's also able to what? Save to the uttermost those who come to God. Those who believe him, those who come with boldness of faith, those that know how to receive his word with purity because they know they've been cleansed by the blood of Christ. So there's no but and is, there's no, there's no fallen reality of a history. No, I just believe that because I come to him now, he's able to save me to the uttermost. I love that verse. To the uttermost, those who come to God through him, we come to God through him, of course, through the Lord Jesus Christ, since he always lives to make intercession for them. That's our Jesus. He is our way maker with God. 10.1. Oh, I love this. Hebrews 10.1. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices, those were the yearly sacrifices, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year. So the old ways of the dues of that structure of the law of Moses, <laughs> that they continually did year by year, it cannot make anyone who approaches God perfect. Cannot, so make those who approach him, approach who? Approach through that sacrifice of outer works, God. There's no perfection in that. There's no perfection in a legalistic system. And so when I come to God, it's not based on works. It's not based on how many animals are sacrificed in my life. How much I gave. 
for the cause of Christ. How many, how many ministries I partook of, how long I prayed, how many verses I read. How good I was to my neighbor. How many bake sales I partook of. How many loaves I baked. None of that. It cannot make you perfect. So approaching God, coming to God, is only on the basis of what He has prescribed in Hebrews 11. Which is what? Which is... (laughs) Coming and believing that he is. And that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Me believing that Jesus said it is finished. Me believing that it is done. Me believing that he is for me. Me believing. Me believing. That that which he says in his word, it is exactly so. In Peter, in First Peter, actually chapter 2. There is that, that same word is used. And I, I, I want to look at that one. First Peter 2, 4. Coming to him. This is it. Approaching him. First Peter 2, 4. I'll just read. Coming to him as a living stone. We approach him as our living God. Coming to him. This is what the rest for my soul is. To come to him as a living stone. Rejected indeed by men. So that moment, if I have suffered any rejection by men, it's okay. So did he. So did he. But chosen by God. But chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up what? Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, it looks like being a living sacrifice. It looks like trusting God when nothing makes sense. It looks like believing the word of God above the word of man. It looks like submitting my will to his will and not the flow of the world. Not the flow of the world. Let's go to, oh, oh, uh, Mark. Mark, oh my dear, I've been on it. I wanted to look at all those. Let's go to Mark and see how far we go. And we, I've been on it for a while, but I think we, in what I said, we have to always keep the context of the cross as well, because when we come to him and we looked at, that was in verse six and prior to that was, was Enoch. And then prior to that, of course, was the story of Abel. And we talked about being a living sacrifice. We cannot ever put it out of the context of that being a living sacrifice because that is really the ultimate pleasure that we give to the Lord. It's no longer my way, but your way. It's, I trust you enough, Lord, to lay down my life because you have already laid down your life. So now I can live my life here on earth through your life. And so in, in Mark 8, in Mark 8, the very words of Jesus, I want to just, it, it gives a good balance to the message about coming to him. Verse 34, 8.34. When he had called the people to himself and his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, Whoever desires to approach me, whoever desires. Now, I, now I haven't looked at that word come if it's the same word, but this is the, it's of course the same context, right? To come to him. Whoever desires to come to after me, let him, 
Let him. This gives him pleasure. This is what looks like coming to God and believing him. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. And verse 36, for what will it profit a man? This is the same word profit that we looked last Sunday where the flesh profits us for nothing. Where the, the, the old Israelites, the word that they heard did not profit them. It was of no value. It was no good to them. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So me coming into a rest from my soul means a forsaking of the world. There's no rest found for your soul in the world. There's nothing in the world that will make you feel, it can make you feel good for a minute because it's dulling your, your senses. It's putting into a sleep, into a stupor, into a drunkenness. But we are to be sober in this moment to realize that coming to God is really a forsaking of all. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul for whoever is ashamed of me? And my words, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. And this is really the generation we're living in right now. Of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And so, we, this is what pleases him, faith. We want to please him and not make him ashamed of us. And we finish with the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, Matthew 11, 28. Actually, I want to read in the, in the New Living. And this is the last verse, the last couple of verses. And Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Time to forsake the ways of the world. Those are the heavy burdens. And now I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What is that yoke? It's that cross that brings forth life, his life. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. You see, rest from my soul looks like him teaching me. Let me teach you. That's in my King James, learn of me. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And so today we come to him and we believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of the diligence that we have in his word. And that is how his message profits us. Amen. We are done. Amen. <laughs>